Welcome, friends, to the Celluloid Pudding Podcast. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to this evening's episode. We are covering the film Ed Wood, and I certainly hope you have your comfy clothes on, whether it's uh, an Angora sweater or a pair of men's boxers or your favorite onesie, Pikachu onesie or whatever onesie you (laughs) like, little shark onesie, anime onesie. We hope you're wearing it and cozy tonight. For yes. this wonderful episode we have lined up for you for a film that we we both really like a lot a lot really and a lot at wood beth so. is giving me beseeching hands like take it <laughs> over sam punch it up punch it up so ed wood yeah we want you to be comfortable because really ed wood is all about uh cheerful ambition and comfort what do we say about ed wood he was he's his biggest claim to fame is unfortunately for being the worst filmmaker ever to hit celluloid, right? That's right. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so naturally, that catapults one into the realm of the cult, right? You get the cult film. Rocky Horror was a terrible film. Great music, terrible film, <laughs> um, and it became a cult film. Plan. Would you? To- s- this doesn't have anything to do with with uh, Edward, but. Would you say it would have been a good musical though? Because it was a hit, there, right? Believe In, it or um, not, there is an Edward musical. It's kind of weird. It's kind of like um, love in the time of color. It's like it's like Edward in the time of COVID, where little circles appear during Plan Nine from Outer Space, and and various chorus members say, "And now we're in the airplane flying low. We thought we saw a flying saucer, and it's really bad." So they didn't. I think. I think if somebody wanted to make a really good musical, they could, but this was half-assed. But I did find at uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space, the musical, during my during my studies. During your, your research. My doctoral studies in Edward. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was, where was he born? He was born in... Co- <laughs> I can't say. Poughkeepsie. Poughkeepsie. 
Poughkeepsie. Which I understand is lower New York, but I haven't exactly found it on the on the globe. Lower Western New York or something. Okay. Poughkeepsie, low West uh, New York. Um, he was 23 when he began his, in earnest, his, his filmmaking ambitions. If you're a film buff, or maybe if you're not, probably the film you have heard of by Ed Wood is Plan 9 from Outer Space. What's that about, Beth? Could you make anything <laughs> Well, uh, it is about these invaders, these space invaders. Yes. Who, uh, um, led by the universe, the ruler of the universe, Bunny Breckenridge. Bunny. You stupid humans. <laughs> I just <laughs> love his line. Uh, and he brings the invaders down. Uh, there's two of them. Actually, it's it's weird. His ship is kind of like the mothership, and their yes. ship goes off to Earth. It looked an awfully lot to me like Star Wars ripped off Plan 9 from outer space. Because the little ships go to the mothership? Yeah. What is that? Yeah. That's I don't the Doom know. Star, whatever the hell it is. What is it, Beth? In the, the, Star Wars? The, oh, the oh god, the Imperial Death Star. Yeah, but it's like the the there's the big ships, which are the Imperial something or others, and then the smaller ships go and they dock. It looked an awful the, lot like Star Wars, and that Lucas looked, ripped it off. An awful lot like a blancmange with a nipple on it. So. Yeah. Silver blancmange. So, so Ed Wood um, was most mostly noted for he had a great enthusiasm for the pictures for for film, but he he didn't know how to bless his heart. He just had difficulty putting things together. He had a rudimentary understanding of production and film and the editing process. Ever since, uh, I think he said he saw Dracula when he was about seven years old or something. He he, he was a, a theater kid. So yeah. they would go and he, he would watch the Westerns and the movies at the, you know, on the Saturday afternoon, the serials, like in Weedabix, but serial as in S-E-R-I-A-L. Yes. Um, so, but it was when he saw Dracula and... Um, he didn't mention Frankenstein, which is interesting. So Dracula, the yeah. Wolfman, and the Mummy, those were his favorites. And ever since then, he he just wanted to have some, you know, some some way get into the movie business. But something came along, uh, a little thing called World War II, and he served in the Marines in the Pacific in yes, some of this the man worst fighting fought for our our country and others, and. Right. Uh, um, and in spite of that, because of the times, the fifties and, and his penchant for cross-dressing, um, and he happily admitted it to anybody, uh, he was what arrested. He was, oh he yeah. was reviled by, you know, those abnormal citizens who wear gender appropriate clothing, I guess. I don't know. He, um, when they came, when he was discharged and he came back to the United States, um, he tried to, I, I think, initially get into theater in New York, and that didn't work out. So he went west. He went to California yes. to be close to the business and was doing theater. When the film opens up, he's doing live theater with his little troupe, his little band of merry actors. He, he must have had a really winsome way, and that's portrayed very nicely in yes. the film Edward by Tim Burton. He, he's just always... Uh, he's 
always optimistic. Yes. And that must have been contagious, that yes. optimism. So he has kind of a ragtag group of, of I don't know, groupies or his, not groupies necessarily, but his, his entourage. His ensemble, yeah. His, like any great director, Scorsese has actors he loves to work with. Yes. Tarantino <laughs> has actors he loves to work with. Altman had. Yes. <laughs> and he and, did too. And these were people who loved him for himself. Now, he had some money floating around him. I, I did a little bit of work and he was always, his, his entire life was this quest for enough money to, uh, for his film budget. And he was always sort of begging for crumbs at these low-end B-movie outfits. And he, uh, he was also infamous and famous for using stock footage, anything that would end up on the cutting room floor. And, uh, and it was all, usually poorly matched to to the production but it gave you the what six reel nine reel whatever the the standard number of reels you needed for a, a think, full length motion like, picture yeah i think he said it was something like seven it was there's this interesting scene when when you see him they he's doing a play with his little troop of players that the it's press night nobody even shows up and and uh, he's like, no, he's just so positive, though. He just kind of overcomes any ne negativity. And then you see him working on a lot, a movie lot with plants, which is, you know, he's delivering plants or something. <laughs> I don't know. I he's guess doing. he's just one of those gophers on the on the movie. Yeah. Lot. Yeah. But um, he. Uh, he gets this. I, you see him make that little stop where the I guess the film library is. And he says, oh, gee, you know, I could, I could, with this stock footage, I could just put a whole movie together, which it's I thought just was random, kind of like buffaloes running, you know, heard of buffalo running, random airplane shots, you know, plane, Navy planes in the sky, I guess, and military folks shooting and I don't know, an octopus undersea uh, <laughs> capture, which, which he will put to, he, he will put everything to good use so you know he made a buddy in the in the editing room i guess yeah it was pretty cool i thought in charge of archiving all that stuff then the notion of that so um i listened in to a little interview with an old interview obviously since they're both dead but an old siskel and ebert you know how they did the thumbs up thumb down thumb, thumbs down uh, for films and when ed wood came back they both agreed that the movie ed wood along with with some of ed wood's actual films should be taught in film school. Everyone should watch this film and Ed Wood's attempts as well when they're in film school. Because I oh, guess plan. everyone in there is like, I'm going to be a Scorsese or I'm going to be a Jane Campion or I'm going to be whatever, my own self. But it's hard work. It is. It's hard work putting a podcast together. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, just no, joking no, about that today. Work putting my pants on in the morning, let alone, <laughs> you know. So um, uh, the, the story itself, the script that Tim Burton ultimately got his hands on was um, conceived by Scott Alexander and Larry Krasuski. And yeah. they did things like Hudson Hawk and I forget uh, only child, so, some, some pretty big flops. And they had it in their minds when they first started the script that they were going to sort of mock Ed Wood, which is, you know, pretty easy to do, but they gained a <laughs> lot of sympathy for him yeah. after, after a couple of flops. And, I think they were going to try and hand it off to whoever edited Hudson Hawk. And they were kind of thinking of John Waters too, which might be a natural fit. We'll right. get into why that would be, but they needed a big name. 
they needed a big name to to pull f- folks in, or I guess the funding. And so they went to Tim Burton, who who liked you know offbeat kinds of things. Tim Burton read the script and said, "I I'd like to direct this." And according yeah. to Ebert, Roger Ebert, Tim Burton was is very Ed, Ed Wood like. He he's <laughs> very sweet and an optimist. Actually, actually, I thought he was sort of. I thought he was this tyrannical artiste, but the way uh, Siskel and Ebert described him was as this eternal optimist and a very sweet man and and very welcoming to to all misfits. So it was actually a good fit to bring the Edward script to Tim Burton. He said, I'll direct it. Yeah, I I didn't do all the deep research that you did. I, I just kind of read over the Wikipedia. Uh, yeah. But I... You know, it was really remarkable as I was reading all the people, you know, you can cross-reference through Wikipedia. Also, guys, donate to Wikipedia because I can't think of a better um, source for information that they deserve any donations that you can when they do their uh, donation drive. They do. Um, I try to give. I can't give that much because, you know, I'm a starving artist. And um, but I I do give (laughs) when when they call me because they call me specifically. They say, hey, hey. Sam, it's been a year. Anything will do. Hey, hey, give me a a dollar. Um, What I was impressed with was all all of the interesting names. And so I cross-referenced, and I guess Alexander and, how do you pronounce, Karaszewski? Yeah. I guess uh, Alexander, they were both students at USC. Yes. The one guy had been, Alexander, I think, was kicking around the idea of like a documentary for a while. Um, while he was in film school Mm -hmm. and um, but I always like to watch the opening credits of the movie just to see the names Mm -hmm. yeah and the name um, Michael Lehman popped up as executive producer and I guess they had also approached him I thought he took a pass so he ultimately came he was he was doing airheads I think but here's the thing guess what movie he directed was he in? Because I know we had a layman on Virginia Wolf, but I don't. What what else did apparently he do? not related? Because I oh, that okay. was why that was the name triggered me, and I wanted to see if they were you know a son or something because that yeah. would have jived. Another generation. He directed the original Heather's. That's right. Oh he my did. God. So a dark. <laughs> I I think Heather's of course is a a cult classic, and and this would be right right down yeah. his alley. But I guess he passed. But somehow produced. He passed. Yeah. He, he was doing, directing, but but did something. Um, he executive he produced, I guess. Uh, I guess um, Burton had some problems with Columbia. I guess had the rights. And they didn't and want to again. do black and white. Yeah, there you go again. Absolutely, Just so fussing over black and white. So that got handed to Disney via Touchstone. I think I'm not sure how yes. many yeah, subsidiaries of Disney it. there are, but. Disney stepping in, they gave Burton complete control. The cost, I think, or I think I saw was $18 million. So they figured it wasn't too much of a high risk, but you said it wasn't uh, commercially. Initially, it wasn't very successful at the box office, right? What I read was that it was critically acclaimed and didn't do so well in, in terms of the tickets, though. And But right. then ultimately, I guess it, it was kind of a slow burn, ended up as a, a cult favorite and and, it, and is considered, you know, one of Tim Burton's best films. Yeah, I, I've seen people, you know, just browsing some of the clips on YouTube. People are like, this is his best film, by yeah. far his best film. Yeah. So and, this was his seventh in rank. Yeah. 
uh, if you don't count his, what is that called? Frankenweenie, his, you know, student experimental days. And he had done Pee Wee, Beetlejuice, Batman, Edward Scissorhands, Nightmare Before Christmas. And in fact, Nightmare Before Christmas was why Disney agreed to to give him all of that control and to take him on. And I think to, to this day, Tim Burton has a pretty good relationship with Disney. Wasn't his last one Dumbo? I sure. don't know, but yeah, I think he does have a good. I think they just kind of let him do what he wants Dumbo to do. Is a terribly sadistic film, though. I don't. I don't know why <laughs> anybody would remake that. It's horrible. It's, oh, something else. I I didn't know if you saw this, but uh, later, um, Alexander and Karaziski would go on to do the People versus Larry Flint. Oh, so they did break out of their their uh, initial flop mode. Or um, I didn't know that. Okay, yeah, that's yeah, an excellent did. film. That's a really good film. Weird casting. Eight, you know, against type casting that turned out to be brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Courtney Love and Woody Harrelson. Great, great um, cast. Before we, um, the cinematographer is Stefan, I can't pronounce his name. Zafsky is how I say Zafsky. Okay. Yeah. That's probably exactly how you pronounce it. But I know he, he worked on at least four other Burton films, but I'm not sure if he did all of his work. Yeah. He paired up, uh, you know, Edward, Edward Scissorhands, if anybody's listening that hasn't seen it, has this really distinct, amazing look to it. Do you think Edward Scissorhands traveled? Like, is it as good today as we, we liked it back in the day? When when was that one? Edward I think I'd still one? like it if I watched it. I'm trying to think. It must have been. Edward oh, was 94, so that was definitely in the 80s, Edward Scissorhands. Although that's funny, Sam, you make an interesting point. I have never gone back to watch Edward Scissorhands. It's certainly been on TV, you know, it's, yeah. as far as, so it's not one of those movies that if it was on the TV, I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm going to sit down and watch the rest of the, yeah. the movie. Whereas Ed Wood, I would. Didn't Wood, I Tim would. Burton, I don't know if, correct me, didn't he somehow get Vincent Price to do the opening bit for Scissorhands before Vincent Price died? So that was a very Ed Wood-like uh, maneuver. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and uh, you know Vincent Price is, you know his his hero. Yeah. And so that and there Wood is snagged Bella Lugosi. You know, well past his decline, and and well into his his chosen his drug of choice addiction with his drug of choice, which I wasn't quite I I wasn't quite clear on that heroin morphine are they the same? I think well, morphine. The- when they're in the clinic, the doctor says he he put on, went on methadone to kick the morphine, and then the more the methadone kicked his ass or something like that. Okay. But going going back to what you said about your the comparisons with with Burton, yeah. Tim Burton, and Ed Wood, it is interesting. Um, you were like he's you know, people that have worked with Burton is like no, he's kind of a softy and a sweetheart. You know, yeah. he's not an asshole. And yeah. one of the things that I read in the wiki or Wikipedia was that, um, and initially what, what kind of really sold him on wanting to do the project is he read, he, he read, I forget the book that was based on Ed Wood's life. Is it Nightmare also, in Ecstasy? What is it? Ecstasy? Well, shoot. Nightmare um, in Ecstasy. You got Yes. It. That's it. Yeah. Together we can come up with one title. Yeah. With one brain. Yes. <laughs> the women who shared the one brain. The women with one brain. <laughs> the man with one brain. Um. Oh. But he <laughs> also read his personal letters and he was very, yeah. he, he he was moved by them. And I yeah. thought, well, that's awfully sweet. So he must have felt, as you're kind of indicating, a kinship with him. Yeah. And and this, this goes against, I had this perception, which was completely wrong. I thought he was, you know, the diva sort of director that would 
you know, my way or the highway, but apparently he has a great big heart and, and also a love of having what others might call misfits as his entourage. Yeah. Although how Helen and Bonham Carter would fit into a misfit category, I don't know, except she never really thought much of her own beauty. I think she went against her own type. She does have kind of a quirky personality um, yeah. when you see her in interviews. So I could I could see her fitting in into the the Ed, the Edward the Tim Burton world. I wanted to ask you because yeah. I know you watch the credit, you pay attention to the credits too. You kind of get yeah. absorbed in. What did you think of the opening credit scene, the shots, and also um, the score as the, the film? The score was very different. I was expecting Danny Elfman because that's who Tim Burton used with a lot of things in yeah. Batman and in Edward Scissorhands, this very, uh, this very specific style that, that Eddie, uh, um, that Danny Elfman had, but I, I believe he used Howard Shore and it was yeah. a much more subtle, uh, I, I would say soundtrack than, than I'm used to with Tim Burton films. And I, I like it a lot. Uh, I really did. I loved the drums juxtaposed with, was the theremin playing the instrument? I'm not sure if the theremin was playing then. <laughs> I, I know there's intercut light night lightning thunder sounds, you know, lightning doesn't really make sound, does it? But thunder. And I'm not sure if the theremin <laughs> if you look that up, it's that, you know, that device where your hand and proximity to the instrument creates uh, telltale Halloween y horror story tracks. Yeah. It's they're a, not it's practical a... to bring to like a beach party. It's a musical sound that you think typically would would go with a, a sci-fi film of this era. Yeah. But I, I found myself really enjoying the opening credits and the the long, you know, the the shot of the octopus underwater and and yes, I it was sort of like there there was almost this part where the the flying saucers come in and it almost foreshadows the uh, Mars attacks vibe. In, in those opening credits, <laughs> yes. which is a film he would do later. Yeah. I um, wonder if this was the cause because Mars Attacks was the very next film he did. Like, did he say, <laughs> I've got to do something with those awful flying saucers and the stereotypes just, of the little men that come? It's just weird exoticism. <laughs> I just going love on Mars in Attacks. the opening I have to credit. do that one too. Well, I wanted to get your impression because I loved it. I was like, wow, this is the first time I'm really kind of getting into the opening credits of this movie. Now, I, I, yeah, dig it. I, I liked that a lot. It's going from tombstone to tombstone, right? Yes. And that's, I think that's how plan nine, or is it one of the others starts? It, it is. It's how plan nine from outer space. My dogs are going crazy. So he really, he, he loved on that original film. He loved on that director. He that's, that's a love letter. That's not just a biopic. That's a love letter to Ed Wood. Um, that kind of wraps up all the the prelims about the the people in the production. And I do want to note that Howard Shore has done like over eighty films, and some of the he's won I think three Oscars. Um, most notably, he's done the Lord of the Rings and also the Hobbit. But some of the movies he's done just really incredible. The, the scored he's. Uh, has did, done. did he do Last of the Mohicans? There, that's a score I really love, and I never know who did that one. Like Howard Shore. I, I couldn't. I couldn't write them all down. But uh, Dead Zone, Big, Naked Lunch, The Fly, oh. Silent, Silence of the Lambs. That's he collaborated a with Demi. 
the film The Departed. Oh, he did the just, Hobbit movies? Okay. Yeah. Just it just goes on and on and on. It's a great composer. And wow. he he's very collaborative. So uh when when he works with Scorsese, he he's 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 having a sit down and really trying to get what the the director wants from him to you know really they're, they're very specific directors you know i i, I do wonder want. about tim burton it says here that it's the only tim burton film not to have a danny elfman score right oh yeah. they'd fallen out at the time and only yeah. reunited two years after mars attack well who did mars attack after i thought that was elfman two years it with wasn't mars. Elfman? oh okay they had a falling out over a nightmare before Christmas. Okay. Yeah. I wonder what it was so. about. I'll have to go down that rabbit hole. So um, also with the preliminaries, this film did win two Oscars. One was, we'll talk about one of the characters, Martin Landau plays Bella Lugosi just exquisitely. It's just such a choice peach of a part. And Martin <laughs> Landau really does it justice. He won supporting for that and i think the other one was for makeup yeah because they did prosthetics for for uh, landau so that he could he really looks like bella Lugosi. He, he does in this film he does and his accent is just so good it's so good so let's run down the cast because okay. it's a great cast okay before we jump into the film the story itself Okay. So Johnny Depp plays Ed Wood. He plays the lead. And yeah. who plays Dolores Fuller? His that, That's Sarah Parker. Jessica Parker. And she plays it in a great way. She's just wonderful. And she's got that sort of 50s um, recording voice down pat. I don't fully <laughs> understand, Edward. But, it you know, that I'm reading the script. She she must have had fun with that. She's excellent. Do I really have the face of a horse? Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is the very beginning. Yeah, when you're going over the theater reviews. Um, uh, well, um, Landau plays Bela Lugosi, and and for our generation, we would have first encountered him watching Star Trek: The Original Series, right? Because he plays Spock's dad, doesn't he? <laughs> and then he also uh, is in the series Mission Impossible. Yeah. So I think this was quite a departure for for him. Yeah, he'd done types of films he'd done. Films and things like that. But he was never quite the leading man, was he? I'd have to look. Do you want to look it up? Shall we look it up? Let me. Yeah. All right. Martin yeah, I want to double. You can, yeah, I'm pretty sure he played Spock's dad. Okay. Go. And he also uh, was in. Mission Impossible. Right. Space 1999. Well, maybe. Okay. I'm getting my. 70s sci-fi TV series mixed yeah. up. Well, then who played Spock's dead? I'm, I'm, I'm always getting confused then. I have no idea who, who played Spock's dead. <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> I don't know things like Beth, that Beth. You well, we're going to, well, he did play Tucker, up. the man in his dream crimes and misdemeanors. So he was the, oh, oh, I remember that. That was the Woody Allen. Okay. I'm going to have to Keaton return to working together film. And let's see, North by Northwest, 1959. Yeah, he plays one of the henchmen, one of yes. James Mason Mason's yes. henchmen. But he's yeah. never like the lead guy. And he has like a choice plum part here at the end. It's, it's just beautiful. And I guess he did some some Westerns and Meteor. 
1979. I think I think every great actor has had to have done those 70s extraordinary disaster films like Towering Inferno. We should have Disaster Week, Towering Inferno, The Poseidon Adventure, you know, Earthquake. Okay. All of those. I stand corrected. It was Mark Leonard. But if you look at Mark Leonard in the 60s and you compare him to Martin Landau, they they look a lot alike. Everybody looks alike after a certain age. Every hardcore Trekkie fan that is listening, and I know there's at least one. Maybe we'll get... uh, I will thrash uh, myself. Messages, finally. I don't care if they're criticisms. (laughs) Thrash myself accordingly. Um, Self-flagellation will ensue immediately after we're done here. And and it it also stars... Uh, one of my favorite character actors, Jeffrey Jones, who you may yeah. know from Ferris Bueller's Day Off and yeah. from Beetlejuice. He did work with Tim Burton before in Beetlejuice. And of course, Amadeus. So there it is. Uh, he he plays. Said, there it is. He plays. Uh, he plays the great Criswell, who is this sort of <laughs> psychic with no particular ability. He was famous for being famous kind of thing. And I guess he had kind of a creepy childhood where his parents ran a funeral home and he'd often go down to the stock room and sleep in the coffins. And he kind of made that part of his live TV act where he'd emerge from the coffin from his sleep and predict things that never came true. They never did. And um, and Jeffrey Jones just does it. And he had a stentorian type of um voice that it, that was notable, you know, that that sort of, and now I predict that we will all go to Mars by the year 1979. So he had that very theatrical kind of, you know, Greek drama uh, way of of projecting his voice. I think I read somewhere that even after the Ed Wood fame or fame after the work for the, with those films had died off, Mm -hmm. he'd actually made some tonight show appearances or something. He'd been on Johnny Carson. I think in credits, this is great because uh, Tim Burton does do an in credit. Like what happened to all these people? These are not just fictitious people, folks. These are real people. And this is what happened to them. So very reverently, he, he did show Criswell as well. And he did, he was on Jack Parr, I know, which is a little bit before our time, but Johnny Carson as well. And um, also the real Criswell was was a, a big chum of Mae West, as you know. She yes. and I can never remember Vampira's real name. What is that? Myla Nermi, who plays Vampira. Yeah. And we'll, we can talk a little bit about her later because there, there's some interesting history there. Yeah. And uh, Patricia Arquette plays Kathy yeah. O'Hara, who uh, Ed Wood. She's like a softer, marries. and I hate to say this, but prettier version of Sarah Jessica Parker. Now I, I love, I think Sarah Jessica Parker is beautiful too, but it's, it's funny that she was sort of almost a dead ringer for her, except that her voice and some of her features were softer than, than Dolores's. If you look in the Wikipedia, it, there's a part where it goes, you know, historical accuracy. And mm-hmm. um, there, there's a, there's a really good documentary called the haunted world of Edward jr. Yeah. And it's on YouTube, I've just Haunted that. World of Edward Jr. There's actually, Why didn't I watch that? I there's also another shorter one called Look Back in Angora. Instead of Look I, Back I did in watch Angora. that one, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. um, and they probably all came out around the same time. Yeah. Um, it, it, Hollywood Mysteries and Scandals did one, uh, the series that yeah. I guess e, e Channel used to have, st- hosted by A.J. Benza. Yeah. So uh, they they had when they all came out around the same time or right after the film came out, but um, the 
the criticisms I think that were notable, um, Lugosi's son, I cannot think of his name right now, had said, my father never had small dogs and he never slept in a coffin. And he, he was just know, kind of a pissy never, little, he probably didn't know his, his father or his grandfather. His father. His and father, he, okay. he he never cussed. Although I've heard references from people that were their contemporaries. They were there when they were filming and said, Lugosi cussed. He just didn't cuss in English. Oh, <laughs> he okay. Cussed, he cursed in Hungarian. Oh. Um, but uh, Dorothy Fuller, the real Dor- Dorothy Fuller. Uh, Dolores. Del- I'm sorry. sorry. You're right. I don't mean Dolores. To correct you, but- no, correct me because apparently okay. I don't know who Spock's dad is. Uh, <laughs> Dolores Fuller actually went on and had a pretty successful career as a songwriter. She actually had a reasonably successful, when you think about how hard it is to make it in the entertainment business, she had a reasonably successful career in in entertainment. She went on and was later part of um, Elvis. She wrote for Elvis, right? She wrote songs for, she had success as a songwriter. And Nat King Cole. So here's my, (laughs) riddle me this, Beth, because Okay, and we haven't gotten to Bunny yet, who's wonderful and and that's Bunny Breckenridge and played wonderfully, beautifully by Bill Murray. Such a choice part also. But okay, so we have Ed Wood. He's dirt poor. He can never get funding, but he's got Dolores Fuller, who obviously had some chops if she was working with Elvis and Nat King Cole later on. She had Bunny Breckenridge, who is who came from old money, right? Back in France. That That's what I got from his little bio. Yeah. Called. he. Where did he a, get his money? He was he independently was wealthy. Blood. He was related to a, a former, uh, you know, great, 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 great grandfather was a, was a vice president. He had a whole family tree that was involved in Kentucky politics. <laughs> so it was a well to, he came, Bunny Breckenridge came from a very wealthy family. Yeah. And was well educated, and uh, yeah, we're, we we're we're gonna go down <laughs> the bunny breaking. I guess my one of my questions is he's surrounded by people who really do have connections. Oh but yeah, he was never able to. What were they not willing to to give him those connections, Edward? Those connections, or he just was that bad that. I got the sense that Breckenridge was probably the black sheep of his family because of his his um his own um identifying as as a transgender person in an era where there was very little to I don't no think tolerance Bunny for cared them. he was flamboyant I he don't brought think the he attention he cared, loved the attention but he could have easily been cut off financially oh because yeah. of it um and it it does sound like early on in his life he tried to live out the the you know marriage marriage and have children but it 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 didn't uh, didn't pan out speaking One of marriage I, I do have that ed wood was married three times is what i found um first to dolores fuller then there was like a one month the actress who played in in the movie and what what is he shooting bride of the atom or bride of the monster apparently that actress he married oh, her Lord. for a month, surprised the crew and said, hey, I brought a preacher and we're going to get married now. And oh, Loretta last. King. Loretta yeah. King. Yes. Yeah. And so, uh, and then finally, Catherine, what's her name? Kathy O'Hara? Kathy O'Hara. Okay. Uh, the, the one criticism I forget, it, I, don't, I don't know if it was a associate of of Dolores Fuller or somebody who knew knew her, but he did not care for the way Fuller was portrayed toward the end of the film because he he's like if you knew her you would know she was just 
a very wonderful, warm, bright person. And, uh, and she loved Ed her whole mm-hmm. life. She loved Ed. She didn't quite, she, she knew she couldn't live with. Well, look, I don't of- think she was portrayed badly. If, if I thought my boyfriend was going to cast me in the lead well, part and then yeah. he came home and said, Hey, this woman is going to give us some money. So you're going to be the secretary now, the file clerk, and I'm giving her the main part. I would throw a frying pan too. There would be lots of throwing things. Oh yeah. Screaming. Oh yeah. So that's I don't, normal in my world. We'll, we'll talk about this, the sequence in the film and where the little riffs are. Yeah. And I think you, at the very end, you make a really excellent point about what happened because Dolores is there when, when things are, optimistic for ed and kathy's there toward the end where things are not so good so it's a different experience for for both women um all right so let's just jump into the the sequence in the film because i i look at it with um with boogie nights i was like i demarcate by parties and it's easy to demarcate with movies in this film your mind is a thing of beauty. So how do you demarcate by by which film he's doing? And the first is yeah. Glenn or Glenda, right? Yes. And I, I cannot separate my viewing experience of the Tim Burton film, Edward, from my viewing experience of Glenn or Glenda, which I revisited after many, many years. I first saw it when I was 18 and revisited after watching. And it's, I found, it, I mean, it's hilarious with the non sequitur lines and the obviously uh, people obviously reading the scripted lines, but it is a bold move to talk about what in those days uh, was they called transvestites. How how do I turn it into yeah, that verb? Uh, transvestis noun rather into transvesticism. Yes, uh, it was a brave film for him to make. I think, and the funny thing is, in watching one film, we wound up watching I think six. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> because we wanted to get a sense of, you know, I think I'd seen Plan Nine a long time ago. Never watched Glenn or Glenda. Um, you can watch all these on YouTube. It's kind of awesome. Yeah. You, you can pop on Glenn or Glenda, and um, yeah, I liked what you said about it. It's, it's poorly produced and and made, but the subject matter there, and it's got that '50s voiceover like, "Glenn is an ordinary man by day." People don't know that underneath his suit, he might be wearing frilly pink underwear. So there's like this weird voiceover. But I think I think he treats the subject with great reverence and and sophistication in many parts. I mean, some of the science, obviously, we've come a long way, baby, kind of thing. But, you know, it. Yeah, it's a it's a it's film true. that uh, there's this cute scene where they open up. uh <laughs> <laughs> they open up shooting for the film and guys, if you're hearing my dogs yapping in the background, there's, there's literally nothing them. I can do. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's very funny. I don't know why this scene is so funny, but and it, 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 it is actually, it mirrors the exact shot in Glenn or Glenda. You see um, Johnny Depp, Ed, Ed Wood is wearing a, a sweater and like a pencil skirt. Black yes. pencil skirt and a wig. Blonde. Cute wig. Cute wig. And, and you know, uh, carrying carrying a handbag. And there's the crew. And before they actually shoot it, he gives them like a little pep talk. And he's mm-hmm. like, we're, we're going to, we're doing, what we're doing is good. And we're, we're going to, we could make a difference in people's lives and help people understand. 
It's so sincere. And Depp has this wonderful, winsome, as that's our favorite word lately. It is. It's winsome way of just being so upbeat through the whole film. And, but the, the shot to me is so funny. And I remember the first time I, I watched the movie, which was um, in the nineties when it was on, um, at Blockbuster or whatever. And he just, it's very still, it's very quiet. He just kind of walks around. He doesn't do anything, looks in the window and then sort of turns away, kind of trying to portray this forlorn feeling. And then, and he's like, cut. <laughs> like, And that was his big thing, right? He would not do a roll B or a, a safety cut. It's just every, he thought every shot was perfect. Right. So the cameraman is baffled. Like, don't you want to do another take for safety? But just action, go, cut, print, next. And, it, <laughs> and, it's, and it's just, there's nothing, there's really nothing happening in that scene other than him him walking looking in the window and then sort of trying to convey this this sort of forlorn and then walking away and then they don't have a permit at some lovely mannequins and lingerie like you would you know window shopping and it it's just it's just so beautiful the way he he he's so cheerful about everything perfect (laughs) (laughs) but don't you want to mention how he got to make this film with Dolores's help. He brings home the script one day. He's finished the script. He yeah, there's it. this really yeah. great scene. So before he shoots his first film, which he has to sell, he's he he seems like a good salesman. I know he didn't yeah. get very far, but but he has great pitches. He gets his girlfriend, our fiance, I guess, Dolores Fuller, to go into the bedroom and read the script. Yeah, and she, you see her look up like. I'm having an awareness moment. I realized something about him. She opens the bedroom door, comes out, and there's, for the first time, she sees her fiancé in full drag, um, wearing a sweater, skirt, the wig, the whole shebang. And there's some drama there because, you know, she's never seen this, and and I guess she didn't suspect it of, of him. And he's also written her into the script and what her response might have been and how she might help him in future as well. Yeah, there's a... One way to tell your your significant other. Glenn or Glenda is... is And maybe we'll do one of these films because I, I kind of... Um, I'm sort of guilty of liking his, his films. I don't know what that says about me as far as my, my taste in films, but... Um, I'm really kind of questioning that lately because we we were both doing some pre-screening of of Caligula. Like, I was and I'm like, like, I don't, I'm it's not that bad. That's pretty good. So, <laughs> but um, I thought Glenda, Glenn, Glenn or Glenda was actually, man, for a challenging topic at that in that era, I thought it was pretty well done. Yeah. You do have that kind of he he is trying to explain, he is trying to kind of create an atmosphere for discourse social discourse on the, on the topic. It reminded me, Beth, of those, um, those coronet films, those instructional coronet, like (laughs) Nancy and Bill are learning how to be polite at the table. It had that kind of instructional quality to it. Those films that people in the fifties and high school would have to watch. Helpfulness can be fun. The fun of helpfulness. How to be popular. You know, how to clean. Good hygiene is very important. So this is, this had that same kind of vibe to it to me. Yeah, it did. And, and it's very positive. Or, um, but I thought the scenes that really touched me in, in that film, in mm-hmm. Glenn or Glenda, 
was the uh, anxiety that he was having. Yes. And um, I thought that the, because uh, they bring in the expert at the end to sort of like explain what's going on yeah. with Glenn. I think that's a common trope in the 50s, too, not just Ed Wood. You always have the specialist, the authority, yes. the yeah. scientist, somebody who's going to explain it to somebody asking the questions. And in Ed's case, he's not he is not transgender per se. And what would be what was called transvestitism, then we would now associate as being a cross dresser because he does. It his um it's an expression it's a gender expression but it has nothing to do with his sexuality he's still attracted to women and um and they try to what I thought was kind of interesting at that time he tries to in that this is the expert speaking part right Sam mm -hmm. tries to make those sort of um distinct distinctions between. You know, it's not, he says, it's not a catch-all. You know, mm -hmm. I wear women's clothing because it makes me feel comfortable. And I have ever, I've always wanted to wear women's clothing because it makes So makes he has two case studies. He has Glenn or Glenda. And in, in, uh, in real life, Edward's alter ego was, was Shirley. That was his chosen, yes. his, his right. name when he was, you know, when he was Shirley. And in Glenn or Glenda, there are two cases. One they say is, and this is really dated, um, it might be able to be cured. That yeah. he's got some sort of transference issues from his mother who wanted a little girl and dressed him up. And there's some autobiographical, you know, overlap there. But then who is the second case study? Anne? Uh, or well, it's the Christian Jorgensen story is originally why he wanted to do um Glenn or Glenda, mm. which was a, a a real case, medical case where um, a, of tra someone transitioning, and it, it made the news at the time, and it was it was uh, big news, and that was kind of what inspired him to want to make Glenn or Glenda. But in that Glenn is, or Glenda, it's surprisingly informative. They talk yeah. about the hormone shots. They talk about yeah. the. Um, going through a lot of psychotherapy before they made the decision. I forget where where she got the operation. It's was it in the states or out of the states? I want to say it was in Europe. I think it was out of the states. But um, she will have to get hormone shots for the rest of her life. They yeah. used the proper pronouns where, which was kind of surprising yeah. to me. Yes, and and they he Ed Wood made a point of saying, you might look at you know transvestites as a whole, because that's the word they're using and the term they're using in those days. But each case is very different. And you have to take each case separately. What are what's going into this? And are there other is it just body dysmorphia? Is, is there some sort of, you know, yeah, he problem in childhood or what is? The yeah, issue? they they explain sort of the the situation, which is more like Ed, which is um, apparently Ed Wood's mother did dress him in in feminine clothing yeah. and would compliment him. Um, and, and it was a comfort thing for him. Yeah. Now, I don't know if, if Edward were, you know, alive today because being given that, that opportunity to express your gender hmm. would, would that at least let somebody sort of, give them the emotional space to say, you know, you know, maybe I do have issues with 
or, or I want to transition. Yeah. Maybe this is my identity. The, the, um, he has the best answer. I told you this earlier, Beth, that yeah. when she opens that door and he's standing there and she has kind of a hissy fit and says, what kind of sick mind? Why are you doing this? Why, why, why? And he, he very, in his cheerful way says, I'm just more comfortable. I yeah. feel comfortable when I'm, when I'm dressed like very this. I'm, I'm myself. I feel comfortable. And that's the best yeah. thing I've ever heard. No yes. big, long explanation. This is who I am. And at various times in the movie, when he's frustrated, because he's generally an optimist, but at some point the Baptists get to you like, like they do right. everyone. Um, and uh, he's in his, his suit, his man suit. And he goes and he changes and it's like having a martini or a Valium because whew, he can breathe. Right. He feels comfortable. He's, he's not posing. Yeah. And this, the second scenario in, in when they're making those um distinctions is is the 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 person who has always i guess he they're making the case that uh had always felt like they were in the wrong body and does the full transition the one where sam and i didn't quite buy was the last one wasn't it that with love and support that oh yeah the that, cure. That the female that the female identity that they've yes. created is basically a support an emotional support Yes, and that, because he didn't get the love from his family. Right. And so the wife's job is to take that for, or I guess the couple's job is for him to transfer those deficits onto the wife who will love him unconditionally. And then he won't need the the women's yeah, no, clothes anymore. No it's pressure kinda, there. And he kind of, <laughs> they kind of bracket it as a cure. And that's a little cringy to listen to. But yes. um, in in their favor, I guess the Dolores Fuller person says, well, whether it comes to that or not, I will still love you. And I thought that the scene done in the film, Ed Wood, as well as the scene done in Glenn or Glenda, where, you know, he, he opens his soul to her. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, they, they replicate the scene in Ed Wood. She turns and she takes off her Angora sweater so she's just got her bra on. She turns her back to the camera. She's just got her bra on. And this elegant arm is handing out the Angora sweater. Yes. Uh, and I thought that it was just it, really se sexy. It, it <laughs> is sexy. It and boy, scene. did Jessica, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, she's, first of all, she's got some lovely toned back muscles and arms. And secondly, she, Dolores that did was, too. Yes. Yes. It looks and, and great. It's just frame for frame. It's so perfect. It's so perfect. Both. The, it's a ridiculous the sweater, in my opinion. Like, who could wear that? But um, my has like one little one. hook and your midriff is showing. What hook yeah. can wear that if they like have a bosom? I don't know. But she, uh, it looks great in either Glenn or Glenda or in the Ed Wood film. Really nice shot. And yeah. so let your, you know, let your partner wear the clothes they want to wear. Yeah. And be loving and supportive. Of course. And, um. What was I going to say? Dolores, I, I think it was in that one. What was it called? Look Look Back in Angora. Was that the one where the, I guess the film, that documentary was produced in 1995 or thereabouts. And so all of the the old entourage that were still living came in and said something about Ed Wood. And didn't she mention, was that Dolores Fuller? She mentioned something about him have more having more of a tactile fetish than a cross-dressing um 
not fetish, but, but orientation. Is that a thing? I don't know. You know, I don't know because we, when you say fetish, this is just my, my thing. When you say fetish, you're kind of in insinuating that there's, you know, it's a psychologically there, you're something's off there. Yeah. And I mean, I, there's, and you know, we're becoming more aware too about kink shaming. Uh, yeah. But uh, I do, I'd love that the, the prevailing message in Glenn or Glenda is openness, acceptance, um, supportiveness. I, and and yeah. he, Ed Wood doesn't have the right language yet because he's, he's figuring it out himself. Ed Wood, the real person, right? And plus um, the scientific community at that, or, you know, yeah. APA, whoever is, is giving them terms that they've decided are appropriate that aren't necessarily. And I, I seem to recall that I thought I had read somewhere where he actually got some sort of respect for handling the material. The, at the like contemporary, can, he wasn't panned for Glenn or Glenda. Some people did, but then some um, were like, "No, it wasn't really a a bad job, you know, covering the material." If you compare it, it to some of the propaganda films and right. you know those fifties things, and and like I said, the cornet films, it's really not that far afield from from that type of right thing that was that was all over the place. So. Uh, he makes his first film. We don't really know how it's received because they don't really go into it. it. They just jump into, oh, well, we've missed one of the most important things that happens what? before he makes uh, Glenn or Glenda. The play? He meets Bella. Oh, Be- yes. Bella. 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 And, uh, and while he he's struggling to get the movie made yes. and he actually, I guess runs into Bella in a, Bella is trying to is trying out coffins which isn't very plausible but um yeah but of course that that's a great way to meet and and here's the word again uh Edward is so winsome that he you know he, he's talking to Bella Lugosi he's gushing over him he's truly a fan of Bella Lugosi and Bella's going to take like his transfer bus uh, to wherever his little tract house so Johnny or, or rather Ed Wood, played by Johnny Depp, says, no, let me drive you, let me drive you. And they yeah. become fast friends, don't they? They do become friends. Um, it's like for, for Ed, he's met his childhood hero. Yeah. And at first, uh, Bella is, is just kind of like poo-pooing him and said, nobody gives two fucks about Bella. Who cares about Bella? Hatzel, <laughs> Karloff. Yeah. Uh, but... But Ed's like, no, no, I'm, I'm going to put you in a movie. And he does. He puts him in, in Glenn or Glenda as he pulled the string. (laughs) He's, he's the sort of creator. And, and I I think that's, I I, I can't articulate this, but somehow it made sense to me. Yeah. um, The creator, uh, you know, every being is created and that there are no mistakes or that there are mistakes. And sometimes you're assigned the wrong thing when you should be this other thing. And those mistakes must be corrected. So I, I thought it was pretty, pretty progressive for the time. Yeah. I thought there was something kind of art. 
there is there are these artistic elements in Glenn or Glenda that I mean it's it's undeniable he's he's you know making uh you know metaphors with with stampeding buffalo and <laughs> yes you kind of have a stock split footage screen, of screen with Bella Lugosi in this creator um role and then just There's random stock yeah. footage of buffalo herds stampeding and traffic and mm -hmm. airplanes anything There's he a, could use a bizarre uh, dream sequence in there a lot of pantomiming of hand gestures yes but uh, uh, <laughs> maybe we need to do this film sometime because it was just at some I, point I, I was it. dying i would love to see a remake of this with good production value because i think there's a lot to it and it, there's a sweetness and a kind yes. of you know, things can get a little, uh, hit me with your best hate mail, guys, but things can get a little preachy today. And he just, it, it's just a matter of fact for Ed Wood. This is a matter of fact, and I'm going to yeah. tell you about it. I'm really yeah, cheerful it, about it. And, you know, he, he and, had some brutal things happen in his life, but he chose that that path for that film. Yeah, I think I think it was a, a project that was very close to him. And he even says to, to get the movie made, he goes to classic pictures or whatever <laughs> he argues with the Weiss guy and he's like no I, I can do this better than anybody because this is my personal experience yes you know, not, I'm not told transgender because Mr. Weiss but I, I you know I I still you know I'm my sexuality is is you know directed towards women but now that was a little off-putting but you know I might dress like a woman but my saving grace. I'm all man, <laughs> you know? but I think I think it's just kind of trying to stay. Uh, you know, this is how he would have presented himself. Yeah. But um, we forgot two members of the cast, or maybe we did mention Bunny Breckenridge, but um, Tor Johnson is another member of his of his entourage. Yes, and he was. Well, I looked him up a little bit, and I guess he, he was he was a big guy, six foot three, weighed about four hundred and forty pounds. Yeah, and had tried his dainty hand at film before i didn't realize that that ed wood was his first uh i don't know attachment to film but i guess he had gone to hollywood to to try to make it and, and wrestling is is like theater isn't it? it yeah it's definitely show business he was thus the swedish angel or something yeah but, that's uh, what was it the swedish angel i think was his okay. his uh, name but uh big man big man and he was big wife uh, big kids big yes a big big guy and he, he met ed wood and ed wood's like i, I want to put you in, in my movies he actually meets him right in in the sequence of the film he meets him right before he's doing his next project which is bride of the atom bride of the uh, atom which they decide to change <laughs> to bride of the monster because i guess it wasn't uh with bride of the monster they they figured they were going to sell more, you know, put put more butts in the seats. Yeah. And some interesting things happen. We see the, we see some deterioration. We, you know, Dolores is already feeling challenged because of Ed's secret that now he's opened up about. Yes. But then something else significant a, a rap happens. Party. Okay. Uh, it's a wrap. Well, the that the wrap and then the part. The part was originally, he writes the next script. Yes. And it's for Dolores. That's but right. But then something happens because he doesn't have enough money. They close the uh they close the studio down where they're the the building where they're filming, the set where they're filming. Oh. So he's sort of drowning his sorrows at a bar 
bar and he hears some ingenue down the down the way saying, Daddy didn't want me to come to L.A. And um, do you have change for a 50 year? You know, you, you can see that that Edward has cha-ching signs in his eyes like oh, yeah. a wealthy young ingenue who can maybe yes. invest. Yes. So he thinks he's going to get sixty thousand um, dollars. from she gives Adam him everything her. she has in the world, which is about three hundred. Right. But not before she look. He lets her look at the script. They're right there in the bar. And she looks through it. He goes, oh, we, I, she's like, well, what about a part? I'm like mm-hmm. a part in this movie. Cause I want to get into movies. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, we could have the clerk. We could have the secretary. And she's like, what about this part? And it's this the lead clearly, female part. Yes. This is clearly the part to play. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, uh, I think he had more trouble breaking that to her than breaking the cross-dressing issue. Yeah. Her. Yeah. And you get the sense that yeah, maybe it wasn't just about cross-dressing. It was probably things were building between the two of them, Dolores and, and Ed. Yes. And you're saying, did you say that they did marry? He and Loretta? Well, um, for like a month or announced a month, that they were? Yes. And and here's the other thing. He never got a an official divorce from the other one, but I'm sure it was annulled by, you know, abandonment or whatever you would say before he married Kathy O'Hare. Oh. He, he never got an official divorce, but he considered himself to be divorced. Okay. And so it was. <laughs> but she, I guess she how, never contested it. And, and that was just that. how it is. So. Yes. Uh, so they do... Bride of the uh, Bride of the Monster. Yes, they again they run out of money, they so they get thrown out of their studio twice because yes. the, the, the second time a check bounces, yes. and she's like, and he's like, well now now would be a good time to, to give me a check to pay the 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 studio, and she's like, I gave you everything I had, which Sam said is three hundred dollars. Why, Ed? And, I gave you everything I have in the world, <laughs> and she she really plays it well, <laughs> and uh, uh, eventually. It's resolved by um, they they get some meatpacking tycoon tycoon. I like those cartoons, <laughs> those cartoons with all their meat and money. Um, to uh, finally, you know, back the rest of the movie. Is this yeah. where they're doing the the little? What are they doing at the Brown Derby? What are they doing? I think Criswell says Derby? in order to make money, you have to be seen. And right. and look successful to be successful, and he's and they go to the Brown Derby, and they're all in their best. They're you know, is this why they're trying? To, so, I think they're trying is, to generate interest because they know the Brown Derby is where the best of the best, the creme de la creme, is going to show right. up. Right, but are they are they trying to generate money for this movie, or is that for Plan Nine? Well, I, that I don't I'm trying know. to think of. Yeah. See, the studio that that sort of Z level B C D level studio did put out for Glenn or Glenda, and he says, "I never want to hear from you again. You you just took everything we own and and threw it down the toilet." So I think he was funded for Glenn or Glenda, so it must be for Plan Nine. Though I think in real life, Jailbait was the next movie, which maybe didn't fit with Burton's nice and loving, you know, idea of Edward. Oh. And, so uh, they go a couple of times, like the first time they're trying to, yeah. he's, he's really good at making his pitch. This is going to be a great story. It's got romance. It's got monsters. It's got something for everybody. And oh, it, ha- it has to be before plan nine, because that is when he first kind of runs into Vampira. Remember he sees yes. her as she's checking in 
and he goes up and introduces himself. Well, they go twice, right? So the first oh, time yeah. she doesn't have her because she's sort of blonde hair and her and in her vampira incarnation, she's got the black wig and the whole thing going on. So she's just there in sort of a fishnet <laughs> dress, I guess. <laughs> and she says, she's actually very sweet to, you know, you're not my type. Please go away, but thanks. <laughs> And he sort of begs her, he gets down on his knees and begs her to make an appearance in the film or to come and meet the guys to make a good right. impression. It would be do him a lot of good. And the, you know, would-be backers see him on his knees and Vampiro walk away and they say, hmm, this I'm not getting a good feeling about this. And they all kind of dump him. And and to give you an idea, Vampira, Myla Nurmi, who played Vampira and created Nermi. the Vampira uh character based on there's a whole story behind it <laughs> um and maybe we'll have time to talk about it maybe not but maybe we'll do a film about uh lady vampires and we can bring it up again um i'd but, like to do a whole thing on lady vampires let's do it because and we've got to bring I've, some I've hammer in there too i think hammer. i've got a yeah we do i i've got something i wanted to bring up during uh what are you watching but Ooh, the hunger um so but eventually what happens is Ed, in his his charming way, is able to kind of enlist the help of not just. Is he able to get Vampira because he he is befriended by Chriswell? Is that what happens? Oh, she gets is fired it? from her gig over That's creative right. differences. That's yes. right. And yeah. um, and he he does get the financing from the meatpacking tycoon. So they. I'm have, confused. Where are the Baptists in all this? Oh, the Baptists come in at, at Plan 9. Okay. Yeah. So uh, we end that chapter of of the movie um, at the premiere for for uh, Bride of the Monster. And Wait, it's Bride of the Monster. They go to one premiere, and right. um, they're all in the car. Great, great shot with Bella Lugosi and Johnny Depp and Dolores Fuller in the front seat and, and I, I guess, Tor Johnson and two others yeah. in the back seat, filled, just raring to go to the premiere, and it's a madhouse, right? Is that the one where it's a madhouse? Yeah, yeah it's a madhouse. And on the way there is Was that is stock when, footage too? I don't know. No, but on the way there is where Bunny relays that, um, you know, goodbye penis, that he is I made a decision. I'm going I've to Mexico. With <laughs> Jean-Claude. With Jean-Claude or whatever the name is. I think his real time, his one of his real loves was named Macro, like in Caligula. Oh wow! So uh, they they Cosmic show up at the theater. They show up. They must have shown up late or something because the the usher comes in and he's like, "They're tearing the place apart. You got to get in there." Yeah. <laughs> and um, Molly, uh, uh, Ma Myla, no Myla, Nermi. Sorry. Yes. See, I can't keep it straight either. I don't. Myla Nermi. Says so she remembers that night, and she said it was insane. The 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 whole the whole why, theater. Why was were they all? Crazy. Did somebody pass them all PCP or something? Why were just throngs I, of young boys tearing up the? I don't joint? know. But her recollection is they all had to when they were doing the credits in the beginning. They had them walk across the stage, mm. and then it, it was a madhouse. And that uh, very soon they ushered them up to like a balcony area where they could actually watch the film. So they did watch the film. They didn't just okay. like run out there. Okay. Crazy. They might have asked. Well, they run out and somebody's stripped their car of tires <laughs> and 
all the things and they all, they have to hail a cab. It's on, you know, it's, it's that reefer madness or something. Yes. Must have got those kids yes. all worked up. I think we're missing a very important part here. Throughout okay. all this, Bella Lugosi is becoming more and more dependent on Ed Wood. Yes. He, he's got a bad habit. He's got his, his drug habit and he shoots up. And he was the first celebrity to admit to having an addiction problem. In fact, Edward got him to a, a rehab facility yeah. and he went cold turkey after, I don't know how many years of morphine addiction. Morphine addiction, yeah. And goes through that whole screaming, is that what, de detox? Yeah. He, um, the, what what precipitates, um, you know, leading up to this, this premiere, but what also precipitates uh, him going into rehab is he's calling ed over to his house in the middle of the night yes he has like deadly there's like at least two and one time isn't there a gun there's a gun and he yeah. points it at his head and and edward says no no you don't want to do that but then says why don't you come with me and is sort of threatening edward too but he but edward talks him away from the ledge yeah and you know the, it's a very tender moment because he's clearly very broken he's got this horrible addiction this monkey on his back he's He's and spent. he's lost his unemployment because he's That's working right. now. And, and working you know now. what? This movie made me so mad when they got to the part where he's at rehab and he's actually feeling like a million bucks. Finally, Bill is feeling good. He, he rid himself of the addiction. Doctor takes Ed Wood aside and says, uh, your guy doesn't have any insurance, doesn't have any money. We're going to have to put him out, take him out of the hospital. Edward says, "What, whatever it is, I'll give you whatever I have." And the doctor says, "Oh, that will, won't even nearly cover it." So he's he's clearly benefiting from being in the in the facility, but doesn't have the funds to make a full recovery. And he's yeah, out. I'm glad you pointed that out because I had a, a a sort of visceral reaction of anger, frustration yeah. at the way things are structured in our country. And the press, um, of course, uh, descends upon him there in his in his you know, hospital gown in his little cot in the, in the general room. And Edward tries to protect him, but Lugosi says, no, no, any press is good press. That's okay. Yeah. But Edward is very protective of him. Right. So, uh, so he starts plan nine or he, he wants starts, to start plan nine. He wants to start plan nine, but what's kind of neat. Um, they, they kick Bela out of rehab. And he's clearly not, it's not just the drugs. There's clearly also something else going on with him. He's, he's coughing, right? There's one point where Ed is visiting him in his room and he's, he's kind of gone through the worst of the detox. And, uh, but he's got this horrible cough going on. Yes. I mean, very fragile and clearly, yeah. you know. The makeup was really good because you do see, in the beginning of the film, not only do you have do they have the prosthetics going on, but as the film progresses, you see the makeup is sort of being tweaked, and and you do see Bela become weaker and weaker toward yeah. the end. And, and Martin Landau just he really does a great job. Yeah, and the another important thing happens. He meets Kathy O'Hara, who's there supposedly visiting her father because yes, he's also she's knitting booties and. Yeah. Um, and they have a bond. They each, I guess, they run into each other a lot as they come to meet their people. We're both there, and she knits a pair of 
black booties for Bella to match his cape, she says. And I think yeah. that's love at first sight or, you know, first comment when, when right. she says that to Ed Wood. Yeah. And then they go to a, like a fun fair, right? Like a, one of those dangerous <laughs> amusement parks where, <laughs> where things aren't quite put together Carnival. and go into Travel. the haunted house and he reveals his secret to her. And she's totally okay with it. Now in real life, he never does reveal it to her until well oh. after. Yeah. She did not know ahead of time. Okay. And that is kind of turned on its head. In real life, Fuller was um, a little more accepting, but um, it looks like he made several transgressions within their marriage. And and they never talk about infidelity, but I kind of get the you feeling. You mean in now. Kathy and Edward's marriage? No, in, in, in Dolores, in okay. his relationship with Dolores Fuller. that I read somewhere that he was considered quite the womanizer. Yeah, I have a feeling they don't touch yeah. on womanizing. Yeah. They touch on the cross-dressing and then the fact that he gave uh, an important part that he had promised her, Dolores, gave it away to this other woman who yeah. later he winds up telling the cast after Dolores is gone that he's going to, they're married. Yes. So apparently uh, something, I yeah. don't know. Uh but he meet he meets Kathy. They kick out Bella, and what's the first thing he does? It's so sweet. What it's so sweet. He's not even thing thinking. He does. He I can't remember. Him. He t he tells Bella that we're going to make another movie. Yeah. But the the first thing he does is he just that scene where he's filming Bella at his house. He's mm -hmm. like, yeah, we're gonna we're we're shooting this. Oh, this this God. is yeah. yeah. Um. It's almost like he's trying, yeah, his B-roll. He's trying to give Bella something to kind of, because he does. Bella does tell him, he goes, I want to go back to work, Eddie. Yeah. And, and tell him that. Edward is, is strapped with this terrible knowledge that he's not okay. And he has to tell the lie to Bella. He says, doctor says you're all better. Yeah. You know, you're all healed up and nothing to worry about. And you can tell it's tearing him apart. And Bella says, well, I don't feel so hot. What do you mean? You know, and he said, nope, you're all better, all better. Yeah. So when Edward takes this sort of B-roll footage of Bella outside of his little sad tract house home, uh, it is, it's very sad and touching. I think Edward knows this is going to be the last footage that I'm going to get of Bella. And he, and he does say, it's funny, um, he's like, Eddie, is it okay if I, you know, maybe stop and look at the flowers? And and he just, just sort of pauses. He's kind of kind of stunned. And he's like, yeah, do that. Go ahead and yeah. do that. So. Uh, and that footage, um, the the Tim Burton footage of, of that happening, and then the real footage in Plan 9 of that scene is just so spot on. Yeah. Know how Can you imagine how it. long he had to have studied that? Yeah. To get that uh, mirror image, and yeah. I, I know what you mean, Sam, because it's really hard to tell the two apart. Yeah. When you, if you line line them up. Um. So, Ed or Eddie starts working on Plan Nine. Yes. And then he gets the terrible news that Bella is dead. Yes. And uh, who do they get? They get somebody, somebody's husband. Who is that man? 
He was in several others somehow. It's Kath- Kathy's p- chiropractor. Chiropractor. Oh, yes. <laughs> they're, they're in a restaurant or something, and she has a little crick in her neck, Kathy. And yeah. she notices her chiropractor there. He says, well, I can fix that right up and, and does a little maneuver on her neck and fixes it. But you can see Ed Wood's eyes, you know, all aglow because he's looking at the man, the chiropractor's profile, and he looks psychotic, you know. So right. I can cast that man. Or, uh, or I guess he sees a resemblance to Bella Lugosi. Not that he's psychotic, but that resemblance to Bella. So we'll, we'll talk about Plan 9 um, because I do want to, to give a better ex- explanation of the plot because there are a couple plan nine. <laughs> Well, <laughs> but first we have to talk about how is Ed getting the money mm. for <laughs> to make Plan 9? Because he, he's running out of money and options. Yeah. And he decides to... Uh, his landlord shows up. He's like he, the the second rent check rent check is is late, or it it, it bounced or something. And he's like, oh, I'll I'll get you another check. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he goes through the explanation of um, his affiliation with the, was it the Baptist Church of Beverly something like that. Yeah, and his own interest in movies because he sees the posters and the memorabilia. Yeah. He's, oh, you must be, you know, working in the film in film the film industry. And he's like, yeah, and and Ed's not really paying attention. And he's like, well, I'm I'm here with the the Beverly Hills Baptist Church, and we want to make a series of religious pictures, the Twelve Apostles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so ding 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 ding. Edward sees this as an opportunity and says, well, you need one big hit. And then yeah. you get all the funding and attention you need for the for the other twelve apostles series. <laughs> yes, and the the one thing is though everyone must uh, this this reverend is not so sure about the subject matter, and he wants to save lives, and so everyone in the cast, including Edward, must be baptized before they'll they'll ante up the funding for Plan yeah. Nine. Yeah, for Plan Nine. So there's this great, great scene. baptism scene. <laughs> full immersion in a swimming pool and i love when it's bunny's turn and whatever the preacher says something like do you uh what is the damn line accept the lord jesus christ into your heart and you know reject satan and all that bunny says sure (laughs) and just in that way that he can do i think bill murray had fun yeah i think he really did um the what is real, though, is that Tor Johnson was so big that he they could not immerse him in the baptistry of the church. <laughs> so they did make arrangements with one of the parishioners to uh, to um, have the baptism ceremony held at her house with her swimming pool. So yeah. they all get baptized, and uh, and then the rest of the film is is basically Ed struggling through Plan Nine from outer space. Yes, and they, they, there's some discrepancies going on. Uh, they the church kind of inserts themselves a couple of ways, don't they? They want creative control, and, <laughs> and and this is the bitchiest you see, Edward, because he's such an optimist. But they really start to get on his nerves and and say, well, the set doesn't look real, and it's actually rocking when Tor walks through, and they're really stepping on his, you know, his show. And he says, that's it. That's it. And he, he dress gets into his Shirley clothes. He become, you know, his, his, his lady clothes. And then he's much calmer 
And of course, the Baptists are are really alarmed by that. But but he sort of squares with them and says, "This is my film. This is my film. You step back." And yeah, he makes his case. They give him a hard time, so he storms off to go get a drink. Yes. Oh, yes. And, and he has this wonderful encounter. Yes. While he's there, uh, he's at the bar, and he looks over in the and in the corner sits his idol. Other yes. than Bela Lugosi. Orson Welles. Orson Welles. Yes. And that's, who is that? That's Vincent D'Onofrio playing him, right? Vincent D'Onofrio is a great dead actor. ringer. Really yeah. a dead he ringer. Really looks like And I, I just want to say that in terms of the cinematography, this is one of the most beautiful scenes to me, visually. Mm, very Everybody's, Johnny Depp has that glow in his eyes and very dark darks, very light lights and the smoke, he's smoking a cigarette and the smoke is wafting up in the air and Lustrous. highlighted. And it's just a beautiful scene. Yeah. What's the cool line he shares with, well, with Johnny? Well, or um, not with John, with uh, Eddie. John, Eddie. Yeah. Um, Edward says, you know, is it all worth it? Because he's sort yeah. of downtrodden. I'm not getting money. My actors are crazy. And, you know, and they're, they're sort of comparing problems like, like Orson is saying, isn't it true? Yes, you can't get them to do anything. The money is always a problem, and obviously they're different echelons altogether. But yeah, the know, money people the want to the cast same. their friends and family and key yeah. roles. Just all yeah. kinds of bullshits going on. Yeah, and Eddie Ed says to Orson, "Is it all worth it?" And Orson Welles says, "Well, visions are worth fighting for. Why spend your life making someone else's dreams?" And that's enough to fuel Ed because yeah. he's, he's, you know, rock bottom before that he's, he's sort of had it. And his idol says this, what are the chances that he runs into his idol in this little drinking hole and says exactly the right thing. So he gets back on the horse. Yeah. And they, all kinds of crazy things happen. They, they steal. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh, wait, no, no, no. That was actually for, for I, plan nine. I, they, they rob a prop department uh warehouse well they, no that was actually for bride of the monster that's actually, right the monster is the damn thing okay yes. yeah but uh squid with two eyes <laughs> but they're 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 in the the baptist church is like oh this is somebody's nephew and they want to cast him and want like the male yeah. lead and yeah just um and tor johnson plays a key role in the very very beginning of the film he plays the like the inspector and they're yelling at it they're they're like complaining to ed saying well you can't you can't even understand him like you know because tor has an accent yes and uh but the the point is that they don't they don't understand that he's he's gonna basically kill off tor because tor looks intimidating as a zombie yes uh, <laughs> and then they have vampira vampira who <laughs> she agrees to do the film well but Maybe I should do it without speaking. She doesn't do want to wreck I... her image. So, you know, I guess that's the line. She yeah. can walk around with these stiff outward zombie arms, but she's not to speak. And uh, and and Bunny Breckenridge plays the uh, ruler of the universe. And he's yeah. he's complaining about the fact that he, he doesn't have any special makeup. So to distinguish him as a an alien glitter or some cat eyes or something as a Antenna. hallmark. And... <laughs> And Edward just says, "No, you you have to wear this." And I'm, I'm trying to think: like Were there any other big hangups with making Plan Nine? I don't think there were. 
Well, you see in one scene that Kathy, who is now the girlfriend, is making the little styrofoam, um, you know, flying saucers, sort yes. of painting things, styrofoam, silver. And they show people with fishing rods, you know, swinging, uh, floating, swinging the very obviously fake and, and very jittery flying saucers everywhere and setting them on fire. And I got to be and, honest. And that's so true to the film because it's just that <laughs> obvious. i be honest with you. <laughs> I saw that and I'm like, I, I, I kind of want to do this. You can see the string in the real movie. You can see the string. <laughs> I kind of want to make my own flying saucers and set them on fire and swing them around in front of a miniature it would be great model fun. city. <laughs> and, and Beth, I'm drawing a blank. What happens next? Bella oh, dies. The, yeah, Bella, Bella dies. Uh, they, they, what they, what he does is, uh, and what it, that he can sell. He's the last film. And and I think that's to be honest, he probably didn't get the money because he's Ed Wood. He probably got the money because that would automatically be a draw to yeah. to fill seats with. He he completes the film. They have the premiere, and they don't really focus on anything other than they leave the theater, and uh, he's happy. Kathy's happy, and they decide to you know go off and elope to Las Vegas, go get married in Las Vegas, okay. and that's kind of how the film ends. Right. So, so the, Plan Nine yeah. under wraps. Under wraps. And, and you that's see as far premiere. as Tim Burton and the writers really wanted to venture. They right. Really want to get into. Uh, Edward got, you know, as he got, do we want to go into all that? I, I don't do, know. Do you want to, I mean, I think you can briefly kind of cap off. Um, you know, Edward did not have a happy ending. Yeah. He did not have a nice Hollywood ending. Yeah. He um, succumbed to alcoholism and you only get the, a, 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 a foreshadowing of that because he goes in out of frustration he goes to that bar while they're filming plan nine and he's like give me a whiskey or whatever he orders yes and um but then when they do the like what happened to them eventually yes um he, he um he died at a very young age what 54 uh, he, he died, died in, in his 50s from alcoholism they think well they said heart attack but obviously his heavy drinking um and and he was not they could the drinking became so bad he could not work. Um, he started writing uh, for porn. Yeah, he did some Pulp Fiction books. Yeah, and he'd get sort of a thousand dollars a pop, and I was thinking that's good money. But I guess yeah, you know, that's and then, really and not then enough he actually money to... started doing performing in in some of these um, sexploitation uh, and porn sexploitation films. films, and and but as almost a um, a subject of to be you know mocked and exploited. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, those were the roles that he would do because they were, he, he was desperate for yeah. money. He and, and Kathy both had issues. And I guess on his dying day, he was sort of calling from the bedroom and said, Kathy, bring me another drink. And they were fighting and she said, no. And then I guess after 20 minutes or so, she, she kept not hearing anything from that area and sent one of her girlfriends in. And he was clutched in this, what was described as, this this face of terror, his his hands clenching the sheet up to his chin and his mouth open and his eyes open like he looked into the maw of hell. And I don't know if that was for dramatic purposes that yeah. it was described like that or what. You know, in some of those documentary and the, the interviews that you see in uh, the the haunted world of, of Edward Jr. and in Look Back in Angora, some of those interviews, uh, Kathy does not 
she said, you know, at the time I really just didn't understand. And she does look very uncomfortable with the topic, with the subject matter. She said, now I know, of course, that that's, you know, to, to have those attitudes is, is not you know, the, the right approach to it. Yeah. Whereas Fuller, uh, Dolores Fuller is just a beam of sunshine whenever, yes. you know, she's talking about Ed and she's talking about, she has good memories. But Sam pointed out, and quite rightly, Dolores got him when he was not in the throes of his drinking addiction, whereas Kathy did, that's, you know, when things true. were really, really tough. So Dolores was in the biz. Kathy wasn't really in the biz. Mm -hmm. She, uh, she was sort of came from a sort of sheltered life. So maybe that was a bit too much and he was driven, you know, he was, he was probably, probably manic depressive. (laughs) He was probably, or, you know, bipolar, another Um, ancient term, manic depressive. So we know Fuller's life turned out. Okay. (laughs) Chris well, apparently still uh, was, was in the biz. Yeah. Poor Johnson did things like this is I think was it this is your life or he he made some appearances even after he yeah. stopped making movies so he was yes. able to he he died I want to say maybe in his 60s I'm not quite sure. Yeah. Bunny um, got to see Edward. Right? He yeah, lived to Bunny see it. Actually lived to see the film Edward and I just think that's just wonderful. Now I didn't read what he thought of his portrayal but how could he not love Bill Murray? I think let me see. There is a there is a blog on WordPress called Travelanche. Okay. And uh, he, he he identifies himself as the observations of actor, author, comedian, critic, director, humorist, journalist, MC, performance artist, playwright, producer, publicist, public speaker, songwriter, and variety booker Trav SD. And uh, it's it's an interesting blog. He's got some really really cool articles up there, but this was written eight months ago. Uh, he does a, a he blogs about Bunny Breckenridge, okay, and uh, just the amazing life that Breckenridge had. And uh, I mean, he hung out with Truman Capote and Gore Vidal and all these sort of yeah. you know big deal people. And Gore Vidal, of course, Breck- wrote Myra Breckenridge, which was which he thought was going to be a biography about him. And right. I mean, it being- says Breckenridge was a wealthy socialite, the namesake and great great grandson of U.S. Vice President under Buchanan, John C. Breckenridge, who later became a Confederate Army General and was himself the son of Thomas Jefferson's Second Attorney General, also named John Breckenridge. <laughs> The Breckenridges were a prominent political family, especially in Kentucky. And it just goes on and on. And it says there were hordes of senators, congressmen, state legislatures, judges, and so forth among their ranks. So he, and then he, Bunny. And yeah. And <laughs> then it says bunny born, short for, born in know. Paris. Yeah. Breckenridge attended Eton and Oxford, yeah. hence that extraordinary accent. While in England, he had acted in some Shakespeare, as one does. <laughs> I love how he words that. Uh, but Bunny was yet had another claim to fame. Uh, He was openly queer at a time Mm -hmm. when that could land you in the pokey. He performed a drag act in Paris nightclubs in the 20s, during which he had briefly married Roselle Duval de Dampierre, the daughter of Robert Henri Duval Dampierre. I'd like to know what type of person she was. Really? A French count. (laughs) And and he also fathered a child with her, Solange Breckenridge. That name is too good, but this was we need a biopic for Bunny Breckenridge. Yeah, we need we do need a biopic for 
uh, um, the marriage doesn't work out. He moves to San Francisco. He does some theater and then eventually makes his way down to uh, Los Angeles. And he, he he's basically living his truth. And and he lived to the ripe old age of 93, which ain't bad, given his no, and the, the, wild the, ways. Yeah, the Myra Breck, he lived long enough to see himself portrayed by Bill Murray in Tim Burton's 1994, Ed Wood. Yeah. And speaking of... And speaking of the creator of Glenn or Glenda, for a time, Breckenridge had been interested in getting his own sex change operation. Gore Vidal, another gay member of a prominent Southern political family, interviewed him about it. The result, of course, was Myra Breckenridge. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, that That's is an amazing, amazing story. Somebody needs, we should do that, Beth. We should become <laughs> novice. Right, we should film. write it. We, we should write it and pitch it to Tim Burton. The true story of Bunny Breckenridge. Okay. I, I think we've about done what we we could for Fred Wood. I from my I side, I highly recommend watching that and then going in and watching Glenn and Glinda, which is surprisingly <laughs> prescient and relevant. And just for the kicks, Plan Nine from Outer Space. I I say watch his whole uh, work, his whole. Oeuvre. I <laughs> love <laughs> his, his eggs. Watch his no, not different word. Um, I like I said, Sam. I'm I'm surprised because uh, watching all the films, I'm like this. This isn't half bad. Even watching Plan Nine, I thought, you know, there's a couple of places where it lags, but overall, it was an enjoyable film to me. I don't know what that says about me because I I also am seeing because they're I'm, all so enthusiastic. They're you you <laughs> just know that they're in. You know, they're not getting paid yeah. anything, if anything, you know, or much, right. if anything. Right. And he, he's delightful. It's a delightful film, delightful score, delightful casting, and I highly recommend. So here's big question. Beth, what are you watching? Right. Well, I, I told you last week that I'm watching Killing Eve and, and I'm still watching Killing Eve. And yeah. Fiona Shaw, you know what? Everyone's debating about Daniel Craig. Who's going to replace Daniel Craig? I yeah. don't need James Bond. I need a movie <laughs> series starring Fiona Shaw as this master spy who has slipped through at, at, at her current, you know, uh, this, this phase of her life yeah. with this history of like people that in super spies that she's bedded, yeah. you know, through the KGB and everything. And just the charm and the wit. And you know what? You need to read the, fantastic. the modesty blaze books. Cause she yeah, is basically uh wrong side of the law, but she's basically a female bond. Not that campy, ridiculous movie that was made about Modesty Blaze, but the Peter O'Donnell series. I should. Modesty and Blaze. I, mean, I swear to God, you'd love it. She's totally, totally, uh, she hasn't had a lot of scene time, screen time, but in the past two episodes, she's really I'll like to, just I'll have to catch up. kicked ass. I'm going to start over thing, and get there. We were talking about vampires, lady vampires. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. Anyone, anyone listening, if you still have your Tumblr, <laughs> I always like to go back on Tumblr because I started thinking with the whole Vampira and Elvira uh, discrepancies and battle that we read up on, um, yeah. and we'll, maybe we'll talk about it some other time. There, there yeah. was a, a there was a lawsuit between Vampira and I, I, I personally and Elvira and 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 Elvira, but um, got me to thinking about Lady Vampires and. Uh, I have a, I have a personal favorite, which is uh, Vampirella, who is a character that um, was really popular in the. It, there's still a, a Vampirella comic book series out there, but um, I'm like, I need some good Vampirella content. 
I'll go to Tumblr. So that's what I did. <laughs> okay. so I'm watching. I, I refuse Tumblr to get another well. account that wants another password. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I won't do it. So, what are you watching? Um, well, I'm still watching Mrs. Maisel because I love it, and I'm sort of savoring it and doing one a night. And I, I also am rewatching season, um, you know, previous seasons before I get to four. And last night I watched a film because I saw a little um, blurb somewhere that said it should have been an Oscar contender, and it's called The Humans. And it was the the book that it's based on was written by uh, Stephen or Stephen Karam and also directed by him. And it stars uh, Jane Hoodshell, Richard Jenkins, Amy Schumer, Beanie Feldstein, Stephen Yoon, and June Squibb. And it's about three generations of a Pennsylvania family that come to celebrate Thanksgiving at uh, at the daughter of the main couple's apartment, new new apartment in lower Manhattan. And it's this sort of beat up, you know, <laughs> water dripping <laughs> pipes showing this, this sort of really wretched apartment. And it was, <laughs> I can't recommend it. It's the most depressing fucking film I've ever seen. I'm going back. That's a to shame because I love everybody that you, I, I love the people. That you I love Richard Jenkins. He's one of my favorite yeah. character actors, but man, that was depressing. There was no mm. levity. It's just, it made Nomadland look like a, a fun, farcical, you know, See, like to know ride Mad in the Land. park. <laughs> Just, I like to Nomadland. I so. know. We we differ in our opinion. And I also around. like, I also am leaning towards Caligula's a pretty good film. <laughs> well, I think we'll have a lot to say about Caligula. And I may have to yeah. go back to that dodgy site and rewatch it before. Yeah. We... I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so what you. do we <laughs> Dodgy Slater watching Caligula. Um, Purely for research. Uh, Well, no, because you and I were talking about it and, you know, you saw some merit to some. I I did see some merit. I mean, you've got (laughs) Royal Shakespeare Company actors and uh, I I think I haven't read about budgetary uh, issues and that sort of thing, but pretty damn big budget for a. We've got a lot of homework with that film, but the next film we have coming up. What film do we have coming up, Sam? I have no idea. Wait, what? What we have coming up? (laughs) Where are we in this? Look at your calendar. Is this Midsummer? Is that Midsummer coming up? Yeah, look at your calendar. Oh yeah, you're right. Calendar, my my friend. I'm looking forward to doing Midsummer. That's a more recent film, only a couple of years old, and falls into the. Well, uh, we we could do something on the Oscars, but I just don't friggin' feel like it. Screw that. I'm so gonna we'll watch record. it because Wanda Sykes is doing part of the, uh, you know. The so MCing. actually, our our to. first uh, April episode is going to be in uh, the thirty first. Right before is that so? Is April that- Fuck Fest will be kicking off a day before April. And I, I would like to qualify the, this term Fuck Fest. <laughs> These are some very <laughs> disturbing films, and if you think that that maybe that. We find them erotic. Think again, but, but there. I mean, there are some erotic elements, obviously, to to some of them. But well, but on, it's you know like a, a dis- dysfunctional fuck fest Speak is what for we yourself, call it. Sam. Well, all right. So you like that scene in Midsummer that we're going to talk about? No, shortly, I do not. Traumatized. I do not. Okay. Of those of the films that we we said we're covering, that's that's one where I know yeah. That upset me tremendously. But indeed, the, it's a fertility, right, cult kind of film. And, and so... And yes. that's... And I'm so glad you're here <laughs> to hold our hand I, through I, the disturbing I'll walk elements. you through some even more disturbing things, I promise you. 
having to do with fertility rights and, and what, what one does to please the gods, <laughs> cause good harvest and all that. Do, does it involve um, bodily fluids spilled on the soil or something? Blood? Uh, well, some, yeah. Other kind Sometimes of Sometimes virgins are needed, you know, it depends yeah. on, the, on the group. And sacramental but, wine, I'm sure, comes yeah. into play. Is there any ritual bathing involved? Ritual <laughs> I know which scene you're referring to, but that's a different film. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> if you're thinking of the Caligula Sanct scene, sanctified uh, ritual bathing by semen. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're going to get into that. I don't think we're doing ourselves any favors by we are by not talking about this. But anyhow, we are we are going to look at some very interesting films for April, and uh, I'd like to uh, give a little shout out to another podcaster. Um, his name is Paul. He does the Valley of the Dolls podcast, and yes. he looks at the golden age of cinema and talks about various um, actresses within that yes. period. He does a really good job. British yeah, accent had... doesn't hurt. Sweet on the ears. Yeah, so, uh, very dulcet tones. Thank you, Paul. Yes. Thank you for also, um, you know, giving us a little plug. We really, really on on uh, our Insta, on your Insta, and yeah. we're just. Uh, Thank you very much. I, I learned yeah. in the podcast handbook that this part is called the call to action, 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 where we where we say, please see us on Instagram and celluloidpudding at gmail.com. Yeah. And PUDPOD, PUDPOD, P-U-D-D-P-O-D, two words on Instagram. Yeah. Celluloidpudding, P-U-D-D-N, or at celluloidpudding, P-U-D-D-N on Twitter. And... Uh, celluloid putting all one word at gmail.com for the for the e emails and yeah. we will we will write you back we will and if you submit you some cool pictures we'd be happy to put them on instagram as long as they're family friendly and, and sam yeah. i wanted to ask you if you would post uh how on maybe on our instagram how people would feel about maybe doing a uh a live live stream or watch along yeah I yeah. um I'll put something up. That would be cool if everyone could sort of chime in and we could critique something or bitch about it or make fun of it <laughs> or laud yeah, it. Yeah, some sort you know. of you know, either if we can't do a live stream, maybe do you know, do a watch party. Give us or your ideas like on what a good yeah. one would be. We we'll want to make it. this, you know, we're having fun talking, but yeah. engagement is so much more fun. It is it is fun. So um with that in mind, please don't be shy. Write us, let us know what you think. And uh, what you'd like to hear about, we're happy to tackle it. And in the meantime, be kind, rewind. Watch something different, read something new, pick up your shit. Pick up your shit. Get out of your comfort zone. Get out of your comfort zone. be kind zone. to one another. Pick up after yourself, but be kind to one another. Goodbye.